morning, I want us to start out, uh, take, if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 21. Today is what is known as Palm Sunday. And I want to read the story of Palm Sunday to you today. And I want to try to show you something from the Scriptures today that I, I hope will be a help to you. This Bible that we have today is such an amazing book. And the things that we read about in the New Testament, the prophecies that were fulfilled, I'm telling you, it's not. there is no way these things were just coincidence. I'm going to show you just one chapter in the Old Testament, just one chapter where there are several prophecies that Jesus Christ fulfilled. And I'm going to show you these things. It couldn't have been made up. It didn't show up after the fact. In fact, how many has ever heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? you ever heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Well, back in 1947, uh, over in Israel, in this cave, there was a shepherd out there and he went. He was looking for one of the goats or whatever it was that he was uh, watching over. And he was looking to see if there was one in a cave and he threw a rock in a cave. And when he threw that rock in the cave, he heard something break. And he went back there and they found these scrolls. They were copies of the Word of God that dated back to over a hundred years before Christ. And one of the most complete scrolls that they found it was the it was the book of Isaiah, all 66 chapters, almost every bit of it. You're still uh, still able to read it. I've actually got to see this with my own eyes before. But a copy of the book of Isaiah that predates Jesus Christ about a hundred years, and it just so happens that the, that text lines up with the very text that they translated the King James Bible from, and. We're going to look at one chapter in a little bit where there are so many prophecies that were fulfilled. And once again, this didn't get put together after Christ. This was something we have copies of it from before Jesus Christ, and there is just no way. I don't know how people can read the Old Testament and not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. I don't know how people can read the Old Testament and New Testament and not believe that this is the Word of God that we have here. Man, we cannot get things that right. We cannot find agreement that accurately. In fact, if at the end of the service today, if we were to uh, question everybody on what was preached, I bet there would probably be some uh, contradictions in there. Even though you were all here, you heard the same thing, there would be contradictions in there. Why? Because you know we're humans. We mess up. You might get something wrong. You know, we forget stuff. But this Bible we have, it's the Word of God. And He used men to pen it, but it was under the inspiration of God. And these things that we see in here, they are so accurate. There's just, there's no way this is something man put together. We're not that smart. We can't do it. But I want us to read Matthew chapter 21 because I want to show you something in here. About Matthew chapter 21, this is where the story of Palm Sunday came from. And all four Gospels mention Palm Sunday, which was Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It was something that was prophesied many years ago that was going to happen. Jesus Christ fulfilled that prophecy. And in Matthew 21, it says, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway He will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, 
Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put them uh, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to Him in the temple and He healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that He did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were sore displeased. And said unto Him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And He left them and went out of the city unto Bethany, and He lodged there. Now this story that we read, it's a pretty short story that we're looking at, but it's one that has great significance. When Jesus came riding into Jerusalem, he when He came in specifically on that donkey the way He did, that was something that was prophesied years before. If you go back and you study the Old Testament, and we don't have time to look at all the passages referring it. All four Gospels tell us about this story, and some of them add some extra details in there. But when Jesus was doing that, he, when He came in like that, He was announcing that He was the Messiah. He was announcing exactly who He was. Jesus, I heard a preacher recently that said that Jesus never claimed to be Messiah when He was on earth. He came just to be a sacrifice, not to be the Messiah. But that's not true. Jesus did come to be the Messiah. They refer to Him as Jesus the Christ, which being interpreted is the Messiah. Jesus Christ was the Messiah, claimed to be the Messiah. And when He came into Jerusalem, He was announcing that He was the Messiah. It was prophesied hundreds of years before in the book of Zechariah that their king was going to come meek and lowly. That, you know, we call it the triumphal entry. But really, somebody come riding in on a donkey, that's not really that triumphant, is it? But it was because we know that he it said in Zechariah that he was coming bringing salvation. He came with a specific purpose. He came to bring salvation. And you see in that story, you know, the, many people they got excited and they're crying Hosanna. But the Pharisees they got upset about it. And you can read in there where in I believe it was in Luke when they tells the same story. The Pharisees they told Jesus they said rebuke your followers. Because when they were saying Hosanna, they were acknowledging that this is the Messiah. And the Bible says that little children were crying Hosanna. And the Pharisees, this upset them. They're saying this is the Messiah. This is Jesus of Nazareth. He can't be the Messiah. And notice Jesus did not rebuke them. He said out of the mouth of babes. You've probably heard that saying before. Out of the mouth of babes. And it's basically that came from that passage right there in the Bible. God had perfected praise. What those children were saying, those young children, was absolutely right. 
This was the Messiah that came. He was bringing salvation, but He came in meek and lowly just like the Bible prophesied. And when you read in the other Gospels when it tells this story, the truth is most of the people didn't even realize what was going on. While there was some excitement going on there, even the disciples didn't fully grasp what was going on. They didn't understand until after Jesus Christ died and after Jesus resurrected that all of a sudden all these Old Testament Scriptures started flooding back in their minds and they were realizing that was fulfilled with Christ. We were there for that event and we didn't even know it. And this event known as the triumphal entry, if you go back and you study Daniel, it, it was... you know. It was hard to tell, but especially before it happened, but it was actually prophesied to the very year when Jesus Christ was going to come riding into Jerusalem on that donkey. So many Bible prophecies were fulfilled that day, and you can see in that story that and I believe it was in Luke, when the Pharisees were telling Jesus, you know, rebuke your disciples, do not let them shout. I mean, Jerusalem's just all excited. And Jesus makes a statement in here that seems very strange. He said, if they were to hold their peace, He said the rocks would immediately begin to cry out. Okay? Now, Jesus wasn't really known for exaggerations, was He? I personally believe when Jesus said, if they held their peace, the rocks would cry out, I think the rocks would have cried out. One of the things that we see in the Bible, whenever a great prophecy was being fulfilled, Praise always took place somewhere. When Jesus Christ was born, there wasn't a whole lot of praise going on even though this major event had happened. God has come to earth and yet nobody on earth is praising. So does anybody remember what happened? Something happened. All of a sudden, they can see angels in the sky. A multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Why were they doing that? Well, Somebody had to be praising right then. Something big was going on and there were no people doing it. And I don't know, this is just my opinion, and you can take it for what it's worth, but based on what Jesus said about the rocks crying out, I'm wondering if no, if there had been no praising going on on earth, if maybe there had been an earthquake. And God's like, you know what? We're going to protect the baby from an earthquake. So you know what? Angels, you go and do the praising. I don't know. That's just my opinion on it. It was such a major event that was going on. A major prophecy that was being fulfilled. And Jesus, He came and it was something that the Jews, they were looking for to a certain extent. They had all been waiting for their Messiah, but they didn't fully understand what had to be done. You know, the Jews, they were looking for their Messiah because they were under Roman oppression at that time. And I think they wanted a king to come and get rid of the Romans and so they could have their own way of life. And, uh, but the truth is, the Messiah needed to come to pay for their sins. The Messiah needed to make that final sacrifice. The sacrificial lambs and goats and things that they had, they were only a picture of what was to come. The, the blood of an animal doesn't really cleanse anyone from sin. It had to be the sinless Son of God. And when you read that story, Jesus, notice how after He comes in all triumphant like that, He didn't go and run the Romans out. He ran those out of the temple that were selling and stuff in there. 
Their people, and they made big money there at the temple. He went and takes those tables and he turns them over. And it's not a picture you see of Jesus often, but I can can you just imagine watching Jesus Christ go through there, turning tables over, running people out of there. I mean, that I think it's kind of a neat picture personally. I've often wondered what would happen if Jesus Christ showed up at our church. Would he start knocking stuff over and running running us out of here? <laughs> you know, I, I, we, you know, we probably should think about that sometimes. But that's exactly what he did there, and of course the people didn't like that. And it was only a few days later, you know the story. They ended up crucifying him. And we see, and I want us to look at some things about the crucifixion. And I want to ask you a question today, and that is, you know, who crucified Jesus? Because if you read the scriptures, there's different people. I guess that you could credit for the crucifixion. Who who should we be blaming today for the crucifixion? Because when we see what they did to their Messiah, to our Messiah, what they did to the Son of God, you know, it ought to bother us a little bit. It ought to upset us. And let's look at let's take a look at a few things in the Bible. So first of all, you know, who was it that actually crucified Christ? Was it the Romans? Look at John chapter 19. I want you to look and see what John chapter 19 says. Remember, all the Bible always agrees. There's no contradictions in the Bible. Sometimes there's things that appear to be a contradiction, but that just means we're not understanding something right. And I want to show you something that maybe we could say is a contradiction, but I think by the end of this message, you'll see that it's not. This book we have is too amazing. But John chapter 19, verse 23, it says, "...then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus..." took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top and throughout. They said therefore among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, for who it shall be, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, which saith they parted my raiment among them and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did. Another prophecy fulfilled. It was prophesied in Isaiah that they were going to gamble for His robe. And that's exactly what they did. The soldiers didn't know that. But notice who it says crucified Jesus. It was those Roman soldiers that crucified Jesus. They were the ones that took Him. They were the ones that nailed Him to that cross. They were the ones that beat Him with that whip. They were the ones that went and they blindfolded Him and they said, prophesy. You know, who was it that smote Him? They punched Him in the face and He was supposed to say who it was. And he, he, he didn't say a word. He took the beating. It was the Romans. They put a crown of thorns on His head. They took a reed and they smote Him over the head to drive that crown of thorns in His head. The Romans did it. It was all Roman soldiers that did that. It was Roman soldiers that spit on Him. That mocked Him. When Jesus Christ is standing before him, the Roman soldiers, they got down and they're, they're praying, mocking him. Making fun of Jesus Christ. What those Roman soldiers did was absolutely wicked. We see one of the Roman soldiers in the story of the crucifixion, they went and after it was all said and done, he looked and something changed his heart. And he said, surely this man was the Son of God. So the Roman soldiers, they crucified Jesus, right? Are they the ones we should get mad at? Are they the ones we should blame? It says right there, they did it. But at the same time, we see also someone else is blamed in the Bible for it. And that's the Jews. Go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. 
This Peter here, he's preaching, and he says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by Him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Did you see that? Peter said, you did it. You took Him. You crucified Him. You slayed Him. In Acts chapter 4, in verse 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by Him did this man stand before you whole. Notice, He says, you did it. Israel, you are the ones that put Jesus Christ to death. But yet we see it was the Romans that put Jesus to death. So what's that talking about there? Well, you don't have to turn there. But in John chapter 18 and verse 29, we can kind of see what was going on and why things happened the way they did. It says, Pilate that then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? The Jews hated Jesus. The Pharisees, the elders, the leaders, they hated Him. They wanted Him to die. They wanted to do whatever they could to kill Him. In verse 31, Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye Him and judge Him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto Him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. Okay? So, Right there we see that according to Roman law, because according to Old Testament law, they were allowed to put people to death, weren't they? They were allowed to execute people, but during this time they were under Roman law, and under Roman law, only the Romans could put people to death. And so the Jews, they weren't allowed themselves to execute somebody. And that's why too, you might remember the story where the Jews, they brought the woman taken in adultery to Jesus. And they're basically trying to get Jesus to authorize stoning her. Which if Jesus would have done that, that would have been breaking Roman law. And you remember the Jews, they, they, boy, they were tricky. They were always trying to get Jesus to slip up. And they thought, if He says, let her go, well then He's going against the Old Testament law. But if He says, stone her, He's breaking Roman law. And if he goes against the Old Testament law, we'll get the Jews against him. If he goes against Roman law, we'll get the Romans against him. But Jesus, boy, he was smarter than all of them. He that is among you without sin, let him cast the first stone. And they all went away. They had nothing to say to that. And what an amazing story that was. But the Jews weren't allowed to put people to death, but the Jews were able to authorize it. And they brought him to Jesus and they accused him of being a malefactor or an evildoer. And, okay, you know, if he's an evildoer, and they went and they had that mock trial. People's witnesses weren't agreeing together. But, you know, Pilate, he just, he caved into the pressure, and they went and they had him killed anyway. And so, while it was the Romans that carried out the execution, they didn't initiate it. It was the, it was the Jews that authorized it. It was the Jews that pushed it. Had they not pushed it, had they not been going after it, the Romans wouldn't have done it. The Romans were just the ones that carried it out. So, we can blame the Jews, right? Because 
right there, he said, Jesus whom ye crucified. Alright, so we've got, so is it the Romans? Is it the Jews? Or was it God? Look at Isaiah chapter 53. Alright, this is the chapter. There are so many prophecies. Remember, today you can go and you can see copies of this. Obviously, it's written in another language that predate Jesus Christ. There is no way that somebody hundreds of years before could have predicted every one of these things in great detail the way they were fulfilled. It just it can't happen. Statistically, it is impossible. Okay? And this is just one chapter from Isaiah. There are many others. We don't have time to go into all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. But notice what it says in Isaiah 53, verse 1. It says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see Him, there is no beauty that we should desire Him. You know, Jesus, while we all kind of have this image in our head that Hollywood's created, the truth is, He blended right in with the other people there. He looked just like a regular Jew. You may remember that Judas, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, they Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. He said, the one that I kiss, that's the one. Because the soldiers, they didn't know. And they saw, okay, that's the one. That's how they knew who to go after. Jesus, He looked like everybody else. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from Him. He was despised and we esteemed Him not. They didn't even realize it was their Messiah that they were rejecting. It was their Messiah that they hated. And notice what it says, "...Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows." Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Notice it says he was smitten of God. So was it God that crucified Jesus? Because notice that God uses people to do his work on the earth, doesn't he? God used, God used man to pen the scriptures. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. God used man to pen the Scriptures. We see throughout the Old Testament where God would sometimes use evil nations to punish Israel when they would get out of line. And then God would use another evil nation to punish that one. God uses man. God uses, God uses man here. He uses and you know, God uses people like me. Are you bragging? No. Because the Bible says He uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Hey, if God's using you, that's nothing to brag about. You know, God uses foolish things. So people will understand that this is God that's doing the work. And so we see that God was the one who smote Christ. Who smote His Son. Now, why would He have to do that? Well, there had to be payment for sin. Who was it that demands payment for sin? It's God. Well, why does He demand payment? Because He's a holy God. He is a righteous God. He is a just God. He cannot let sin go unpunished. You and I, we all hate it on this earth when we see people do wrong and do evil and they just completely get away with it. We've all been there before when maybe that somebody's been on trial for something and nothing happened to them. They just got off scot-free. And that upsets every one of us, doesn't it? Because we want to see justice done. Well, guess who wants to see justice even more than you and I? And that is God, who is a holy God, is a righteous God, and there must be payment for sin. And the only one that could pay for that sin 
was Jesus Christ. And the truth is, God sent His Son into the world so He could eventually go to that cross and die. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. God sent Jesus Christ with full purpose of dying on the cross. We see that Jesus Christ just shortly after this triumphal entry, we see Him go into that Garden of Gethsemane right before He's arrested, right before He's taken away. And He knew what was about to come. And He's there praying in the Garden. He's under such great stress. The Bible says that He sweat as it were great drops of blood. And His prayer that He prayed was, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. Jesus did not enjoy the thought of the cross. He hated the thought of the cross. The Bible says when He was on the cross, He who knew no sin became sin for us. He couldn't bear the thought of taking our sin. One who was holy. We can't even imagine what that was like. But He said, nevertheless, not My will, but Thy will be done. He told God what He wanted. He said, Lord, I don't want this. But Lord, what I want more is I want Your will to be done. And we see that God allowed His Son to go. And God sent Him to die a horrible death on a cross. And so we could say well, that it was God that crucified Jesus. He just, he used, but He used man to carry it out. But the Bible says here in Isaiah that He was smitten of God. How could God do that to His own Son? He loved us that much. And His Son was willing to do that. The Bible says that for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. Now, you don't think that He was talking about the cross as the joy that was set before Him. No, He was talking about us in the presence of God. He got joy out of that. The thought of us being able to be saved is what made Jesus willing and able to go to that cross the way He did. And I mean that ought to, that ought to blow our minds right there. So we could say that it was God that crucified Jesus. So let's not blame the Romans. Let's not blame the Jews. It was God that did it. But you know, also we see something else here in Isaiah fifty-three. Look at verse five. It says, "But he was wounded for our transgressions; he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed." We see here ultimately who crucified Jesus, whose fault it was. It was you and I. It was because of our sins. Okay, God just used the Romans. God just used the Jews. God used them so He could crucify Jesus Christ for our sins. It was our only hope of heaven because we're all sinners, folks. Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We see in verse 6, it's not just us, it's not just mankind in general, but you specifically. You are the one who crucified Jesus. Verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray and have turned every one to his own way. I just want to do my own thing. That's what we all say, right? I just want to do my own thing. Yeah, and that because of that, your own thing, your own thing is sinful. 
And Jesus Christ had to die and pay for that sin. He had to die because you wanted to do your own thing. And the Bible says, "...and the Lord hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all." See, it's personal, folks. Jesus Christ, He didn't just pay for the sins of the world. He paid for your sins. The things that you have done, He paid for those. Verse 7, He was oppressed and He was afflicted. Notice how it's saying all this. You know, this, is, this is before it even happened. But yet, you'd swear this chapter was written after the fact. He was oppressed and He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. Remember Jesus, He wouldn't speak a word when they were accusing Him of those things. Notice how He went. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so open He not His mouth. You could take a lamb into a butcher shop and you could get ready to slit their throat right there and you know what? It won't do anything. Why? It's, it's too dumb to realize that its life is about to end. And Jesus Christ, He was not ignorant. He wasn't dumb. But He went like a lamb to the slaughter. He went completely willingly. They did not force Him to go. You may remember in one of the Gospels when the soldiers came. I mean, a whole bunch of soldiers came to get Jesus. And when all Jesus said was, I am He. And when Jesus said, I am He, every one of those soldiers fell down. And you know what? I personally think that that was God show, or Jesus Christ showing them and showing everyone that you know what? You can only take me because I'm letting you take me. Jesus could have come off that cross at any time. You know, you, there are mankind is capable of taking some pretty severe pain if there's nothing you can do. You, you could you could probably you know I'm horrified of dentists. I hate getting my teeth drilled. It hurts bad. I'm scared of it. And you know what? I won't go. I, 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 this, you probably think this is terrible. This is irresponsible. But I, I'm not going back. I, I've been in too much pain there. I'm not. I'm not going back. Okay. I, I, I won't do it. And you can. You know, one of these days maybe I'll be in pain and I'll have to. But right now I'm not hurting, so I'm not going. Okay? That's irresponsible. Maybe I, I will not on purpose subject myself to pain. Okay. I, I'm a wimp. But you know what? If I was held down and strapped down, you could probably, you know, I could probably take it. But Jesus Christ, when he took, he could have stopped it at any time. At any time, he could have stopped it, and he didn't do it. See, and that's what you know. We would have to be tied down to take a lot of the pain, you know, that maybe we've gone through. There's people that have been tortured before and they survived, but if they could have stopped it, they would have stopped it immediately. Jesus Christ could have stopped it, and he didn't do it. Verse 8, He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare His generation? For He was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of My people was He stricken. And He made His grave with the wicked. Jesus died with two thieves. Remember that? And it says, "...and with the rich in His death." Remember, He was placed in the tomb of a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea. Prophesied hundreds of years that that was going to happen. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. And then look at this verse. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. How could he have been pleased to let his son suffer like that? It was because of His love for us. He loved us that much. 
He was willing to allow his son... You know, I wouldn't let my son suffer like that for anybody else. I'll admit it. I wouldn't want my son to die for somebody else. I wouldn't give him as an offering. I can't imagine doing something like that. I've heard more spiritual people than me say they would. But I don't feel that way. But God did. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Once again, it says the Lord did it and it pleased him. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Okay, we talk about, we say here, I tell people all the time, I'm on my way to heaven. I know that I'm saved. They're like, you know, what makes you think that? How can you think you're good enough to go to heaven? Because my iniquities have been paid for. Jesus paid for my sins. And I've accepted that gift of salvation that He offered freely, without works, without payback. Jesus Christ offers that gift of salvation. Verse 12, Therefore will I divide Him a portion with the great, and He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because He hath poured out His soul unto death, and He was numbered with the transgressors, and He bare the sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. What is a transgressor? Well, the Bible, that's a sinner. What's a sinner? The Bible says a sinner is anyone who transgresses the law. If you've broken one, one law out of this Bible, and according to the Word of God, we all have, you're a transgressor. And Jesus Christ paid for your transgression. He died for your sin. So the truth is, the Jews authorized the crucifixion, but the Romans performed the crucifixion. But it was God that demanded the crucifixion, but ultimately it was your sin and my sin that there was a reason that there was a crucifixion. Had it not been for your sin, there would have not been a crucifixion. You are just as guilty as a Roman who drove the spikes in his hands. You are just as guilty as one of those soldiers that spit in his face, that punched him in the face. Just as guilty as the one who platted the crown of thorns in his head. We're just as guilty as those Jews who authorized it, that had it done. It was our sin that did it. God demanded that. He is a holy God. If we were to be in His presence, if we were to have any hope of salvation as a holy God, there had to be payment for sins. If you and I went to heaven in our sin condition right now, one, we'd ruin heaven. You know, two, it would kill us. We couldn't, we couldn't handle that. Something had to change. We had to be cleansed from our sins. And Jesus Christ did that when He died on the cross. We've got to, we've got to take that personal. When you see a cross, it ought to remind you of your sins. It ought to remind you of what Jesus Christ had to do so you can go to heaven. And the Bible says that salvation, it's a gift of God. Okay? It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. How do I receive that gift? Well, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You can know for sure that you're going to heaven today. And that that blows people's mind. No, I, I, I'm too I'm too bad. Uh, you know, I I don't think I can live the rest of my life and be as good as I'm supposed to be. That's not what it's about. You can know you're saved because the blood of Christ cleanses from all sins. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past, and it doesn't matter even what you do in the future because it's Jesus Christ, His blood, that keeps us saved. And let me tell you something. You put your faith and your trust in Him. He, His Holy Spirit, He'll dwell inside of you. 
He'll come into your heart and He will help you to get victory over those sins. If you'll yield yourself a member to righteousness, if you'll yield yourself to Christ and you'll walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But the truth is, I'm still a sinner today, folks. Everyone in here, we're still sinners. But you know, there's there's a difference between the saved and the lost. And that's just really, we're all sinners, but one has accepted that gift of salvation. Some have rejected it. God, He never makes anybody do anything. He wants you to choose it. Just like He put that tree in the Garden of Eden, people are like, why did He put that tree there? God was giving them a choice. He wants us to choose Him. And He's asked, he's asked us to choose Him. And all you have to do is by faith, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, that's, that's too simple, isn't it? Well, the truth is, salvation is not really that simple because Jesus Christ had to die a very horrible death, didn't He? It was a very difficult thing to be able to save people, but Jesus did the difficult part. So we wouldn't, because He knew we couldn't handle, we couldn't get saved on our own, and all we have to do is by faith accept that and get to salvation. Boy, that's awful simple, isn't it? That's what we see throughout the Bible. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. For whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe, you know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. I wish I could tell you, you know, you had to do a little more of that. I wish, you know, there was some, you know, program you had to go through. I could tell you about, and, but that's not what the Bible says. Jesus Christ paid for your sins. All you have to do is accept that free gift. And if there's one that's never done that, boy, talk to, talk to me after the service of love. Take the Bible and show you. It's so simple, folks. Don't miss up. Don't pass up on that greatest gift that was ever given. It's offered to you if you've never received it. Accept that today. So with that, I want us all to stand together.